In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. We have this morning a passage of Scripture from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, considered one of the greatest sermons ever preached. It's the longest sermon uh, that we have on record that Jesus delivered, and it is often called one of the greatest sermons uh, ever preached. And certainly, coming from Jesus, it's pretty safe to put your money on that bet. Uh, But I often wonder what the reaction of folks was after hearing this sermon. Um, You know, after... Often when I'm standing in the back after one of the services and people will come up and say, that was a really great sermon. Uh, I'm afraid to ask you why you think it's great. Uh, And yet uh, I wonder if that's how people felt after hearing this sermon. Because if we look at the content of it, uh, it's not a lot to exhilarate you and propel you through the week. Um, Don't worry about tomorrow. Okay? Uh, Be perfect as your Father in Heaven is perfect. Uh, Turn the other cheek. And even today in our scripture passage, uh, Jesus uh, presents us with two ideas, uh, two things that scripture teaches, uh, two ways that you can be saved. I don't know if you know that, but the Bible actually teaches two ways in which you can be saved. One, which if you've grown up in the church and by the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, is the easy answer, and that is to throw yourself upon the mercy of God in Jesus Christ Uh, But the other way that the Bible presents in which we might be saved is that we follow the law perfectly, in its totality, that we live perfect lives. We do everything that the law requires, and the law is bigger than the Ten Commandments. It's not just what's in the Old Testament, but certainly is honor your father and mother, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not uh, covet. But it's also love your neighbor as yourself. It is turn the other cheek. It is, I tell you, if someone gives you their pack, carry it an extra mile. The law's demands on us are great. And even though some of you may have never heard that the Bible teaches that if you keep the law perfectly, uh, it's intuitive to us. Where the gospel is actually counterintuitive. When I was four years old, I was playing in the basement. That's where all of our toys were supposed to be. And as long as they stayed down there, everything was fine in the family. And I was playing with the toys, and I went upstairs. And as I was passing through, my mother asked, Andrew, did you, did you clean up the basement? Yes, ma'am. And I made my way up to the top floor where I began to play with something else that I had smuggled away upstairs. And after a while, my conscience started to nag at me. And so I went back downstairs into the kitchen, and there my mother was standing at the sink. And I remember it vividly, because she was looking out the window while she was washing something. And I said, Mom, if I lie, will I go to hell? And without turning around, she said, yes. I quickly and immediately went right down the steps and began cleaning up the basement. Why? Because our hearts are actually geared to think, as long as I keep things on the level with God or mom, uh, then everything's going to be fine. Right? I might have lied about cleaning it up, but I can undo the lie if I go downstairs and I clean up the mess. And as long as I'm a good boy, then everything is going to be fine. And it's not just the way that we deal with our parents or friends or any relationship we have. It's the way that we deal with God. Because even though we have this word from the outside of us that says Jesus Christ came to save 
lawbreakers, our hearts think, well, maybe if I just try hard enough, I can make it. I can keep the law. Well, how do we deal with the law? Because of our experience in dealing with it, it's, it's a struggle. It's a struggle. And so I found that uh, the way that I deal with it and others deal with it, there are three ways in which we deal with the law. One is the way that we think that we're capable of keeping it because religion is about doing. It's about doing good things and being on your best behavior. Another way is that we might get to the point where we think, gosh, I have a hard time keeping the law. Uh, But compared to other people, I do a pretty good job. And so we pray that God grades on the curve. Or, lastly, uh, and this is pretty prevalent in the church, we begin to downplay the law and say, well, that's, it's really not important that, that God has, has lowered the standard in, in that area. Well, those who were listening to Jesus that day, the, said, the, the Pharisees and the scribes, which he mentions as being righteous and upright individuals, Uh, They loved sermons like the Sermon on the Mount. They loved it when Jesus would drop the hammer because they thought that their standing with God was built on whether or not they could keep the law. As long as I know I'm following the law, I'll be fine. So zealous were they for following the law that they didn't just have a commandment of uh, follow the commandments, but they had all these rules that they created to go along with them just in case. They got into a fix. And even to this day, if you go to Israel and you're there on the Sabbath in your hotel lobby and you get on the elevator, something very curious happens because you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. Okay, you're not supposed to work, but are you allowed to press the elevator button? And so on the Sabbath in Israel, the elevator stops at every single floor so you don't have to push the button. That's the kind of zealousness and and, or zeal uh, for the law that the Pharisees and scribes had. And they kept it outwardly to the nth degree. And yet, those of us who try really hard to keep the law know that maybe our sins are a little bit easier to hide than others. That inwardly, like the four-year-old little boy who had not picked up the basement, inwardly you know... I may be keeping it to the letter, maybe, but certainly not in my heart. I'm not the husband I'm supposed to be. I'm not the father or the mother or the wife that I'm supposed to be. Uh, I'm not the Christian uh, that I'm supposed to be. And all these people see me doing all of these Christian things, and yet deep down inside I know that I have a problem. And yet I read Us Weekly, and I know there are people a lot worse than me. Just when I get down on myself, I go out and buy People magazine, right? Or get on The Hollywood Reporter or whatever it is, TMZ. And that makes me feel a lot better about ourselves. And social scientists have actually pointed uh, to this fact. Uh, Dan Ariely, who is an economist at Duke University, very bright and sharp guy, uh, has uh, answered the question, how do you make yourself more attractive to other people? And in addition to looking nicer and things like that. Do you know what the number one thing that made you look more attractive to other people? What they found was that if you want to look more attractive to to other people, find someone that looks just like you, but slightly uglier. (laughs) And if you have somebody in your life that looks a little bit like you, but is not as attractive, you look pretty good. 
And that's what I do with, with Us Weekly. But the fact that I feel like I need to have someone who's a little less attractive in my life uh, points to my own insecurity and the truth that I don't have it all together. In fact, I'm a complete and total mess. And so maybe some of us begin to downplay the law. And there are a number of people who will say that certain laws in the Bible no longer have standing. They will say things like, well, you know, we don't really need to follow that because the Bible also says you shouldn't wear cotton polyester blend shirts. I don't know if you've ever heard that. But the articles of religion are very helpful with this. The reformers write, although the law given from God by Moses as touching ceremonies and rites do not bind Christian men, yet notwithstanding, no Christian man whatsoever is free from the obedience of the commandments, which are called moral. Which means the reformers read their Bible. And what they understood, that in Jesus, the ceremonial law, the need for sacrifices was no longer necessary because Jesus had died once for all on the cross. And because... Also, those issues in the Old Testament that would render somebody unclean, like eating shellfish, were no longer necessary because his death on the cross, he had come and made his people clean. Jesus' holiness has been imputed to us. Indeed, even in the church, there is a picking and choosing over what to obey and what not to obey. But what Jesus does is radical. He doesn't lessen the law. He doesn't say, well, don't worry so much about that. If he does anything, he ratchets it up multiple steps. He says in just a few verses after our scripture passage this morning from Matthew, I tell you the truth. You've heard it said, do not murder. Right? I'm okay in that area. But I tell you, if you've hated your brother in your heart, you're just as guilty as the person who's pulled the trigger. I tell you, You've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, if you've lusted in your heart, you're guilty of adultery. Gulp. He doesn't downplay it. If anything, his mere presence in the world shows us the truth about ourselves that we're not okay. That we can't keep the law. That even if God were to grade on a curve, we're in big trouble because he takes the law and puts it out there for what it is. It condemns us and lets us know the shape that we're in. That even if we can conform to it outwardly, we know that our condition is such that we are in big trouble. We all stand condemned under the law. We can't explain it away. We know that he doesn't grade on the curve And there's no running from the truth. And so, when we hear that unless our righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees and scribes, we gulp. So how do we enter the kingdom of heaven? How do we get right with God? Jesus says to us this morning, I have come not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. What the law demands, perfect Obedience, both in letter and spirit, Jesus fulfills on our behalf. His righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees and scribes, and because of his life, his death on the cross, and his resurrection, we are able to enter the kingdom of heaven. And not just enter, but we are made children of God, 
heirs of his eternal kingdom. We all know the Bobby Fuller Four song, I fought the law and the law won. We all know what it feels to be crushed under the weight of the law. But know this, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. If we were to take a census of heaven, we would find that heaven is full of lawbreakers and hell is full of the self-righteous. Jesus gives us this morning two ways in which you can be saved and enter into a relationship with God. Fulfill the law perfectly or throw yourself upon the mercy of Jesus Christ, lover of sinners and lawbreakers like you and me. Amen.